land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. children can run free so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk Good evening. Welcome to Yada Yada. My pleasure to be with you. We're here with uh, Kirk uh, again this uh, evening. And Kirk, you know, there was a period of time where if you were a doomsday or you were considered a bit of a conspiratorialist, you know, and you, you're mm-hmm. chicken little, the sky is falling and, uh, you know, you were a, uh, an end times prepper. <laughs> today, all, all true. Today, yeah. all you have to do is read the news. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, know. today you'd have to be a conspiratorialist to uh, to assume that the sky isn't falling. That's it, correct. It's, it's so upside down. We're we're in a period of the worst possible scenario for uh, our economy. Um, we mm-hmm. have raging inflation, uh, and inflation this time not on luxury items, but on staples, on food, yes. on wood, on on Absolutely, gasoline, yeah. energy, electricity, the basics of life. Uh, we have uh, and tremendous shortages of the basics of life uh, and that there are tremendous food shortages in addition to inflation on them. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's going to get worse. We have tremendous water shortages because of our inability to uh, to copy the Romans uh, 2000 years ago and learn how to manage aqueduct move it from where it is yeah. to where it's needed but nonetheless uh nothing is uh, makes any sense it's not only just this raging inflation but we're about to go into a recession and yes. the combination of a recession and it could be a great recession and yes. runaway inflation that's the that's it doesn't get any worse than that no no i mean your currency becomes worthless as you have no opportunity to make up the difference. It's devastating where we are. Destroyed our currency. We've borrowed to the point we can't borrow anymore without just making a a joke of everything. We've got the talking heads in their echo chambers now screaming to eliminate the weapons of war. 
They don't want you to have assault rifles. It, it's just unconscionable. It makes no sense. It's uh, immoral to have these weapons of war, weapons of war, weapons of war. Have they ever read the U.S. Constitution? Yes. It's the only kind of weapons that the U.S. Constitution grants the right for Americans not only to own but to have on their possession are weapons of war. Mm-hmm. That's the entire point. Yeah, we were that if you have a government that can determine mm-hmm. who can and cannot have a weapon of war, you have a tyrannical have government. A dictator. Right. Yes. So if these talking liberal morons would actually read the document, they would talk about banning weapons of war because the Constitution grants an unequivocal right to own them and bear them. And if they wish to speak against the Constitution, they have no right to speak because their office doesn't exist. Their country doesn't exist. Their elections don't mean anything. You can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. There are lots of reasons that the world has become a very deadly place. And it's going to become far deadlier. Some of those reasons are that we grossly mismanaged COVID. Uh, uh, the Fauci approach of, of uh, shutting down industries, uh, telling who could work and who couldn't work, the social distancing, keeping uh, uh, people isolated was devastating. And we talked about it not after the fact, but before the fact this would occur. Mm-hmm. And drunkenness is up, uh, mental uh, disorders are, uh, are up, uh, sexual abuse is uh, mm-hmm. up, all forms of crime is, is skyrocketing. So that isolation uh, brought to the surface mental deficiencies and mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, as a society, we have a serious problem with the psychopaths. The President of the United States is a psychopath. I don't say that callously, but for him to get on his soapbox and say that we're sending uh, all manner of uh, weapons, uh, probably now up in the range of 50, 60 billion dollars worth of America's mm-hmm. most weapon. sophisticated weapons. He says, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. sending it to, uh, to win the war against Russia. I'm not sending it to, uh, uh, because I think it's going to stop the invasion. I'm sending it to inflict pain only a psychopath who uh, strives to inflict pain. Even if you were in the worst situation and you, you had a moral opportunity, maybe even responsibility to be violent, that mm-hmm. someone you are close to that you love is being physically assaulted, their life being threatened, at that point, you have absolute right to, uh, to stop, stop the, the, uh, the perpetrator yeah. and to uh, do so yeah. violently if necessary. Even then, your intent ought not to be to inflict pain, but to stop the inflicting of pain. Mm-hmm. So we have a psychopath as the President of the United States, and he's a complete hypocrite, saying that his great mission right now is to preclude people having weapons of war. 
and yet he's sending weapons of war as if there were no tomorrow to the Ukrainians to inflict pain upon the Russians. Strange, isn't it? There is a serious problem right now with uh, rising hate crimes um, in uh, New York City. Forty percent of the hate crimes are are uh, foisted on a population that represents about two percent of America, uh, Jews. So they are 20 times more uh, likely to be the victim of a hate crime. So I guess it does prove that black lives matter because uh, the hate crimes aren't being perpetrated towards blacks, they're being perpetrated towards Jews, but Jewish lives evidently don't matter. Uh, by the way, speaking of, uh, of crimes on the East Coast, we, we are, uh, our outreach today is to Baltimore, Maryland, and the, uh, the Jewish community there. Uh, so we, uh, we welcome you to Yada Yahweh. Uh, yada ought to be a word that uh, you know. It's a Hebrew word for uh, knowing, recognizing, uh, being aware of. Yahweh is a word that you probably do not know uh, because uh, rabbis have expressly precluded uh, Jews from knowing that name. It happens to be God's name. It's God's one and only name. And he is uh, insistent that if we want to have a relationship with him, if we want to know him, if we want to enter his home in heaven, that we know and use his name. So welcome to uh, Yada Yahweh. If you're listening to this program and uh, you have interest in learning more, if you want to know what Yahweh actually revealed through the Torah, the prophets and the Psalms, the Torah, which means teaching, uh, Nabi, uh, which means to... Uh, speak about the past or the present uh, with the inspiration of God, uh, the prophets or the Psalms, the Mizmor, the, uh, uh, most of which were written by David, who happens to be the Son of God and the Messiah, uh, then uh, you'll find them at yadayah.com. With uh, that uh, note, Kirk, I'd like to just jump right back into where we were uh, last week. Okay. Certainly. Um, we had already commented considerably on this, but it's a really a profoundly important uh, statement. It's a, it's a long one. It was part of a, a long um, uh, review of, this is now the 20th verse, of the uh, 18th chapter of Dabadim, uh, corrupted to uh, Deuteronomy. Dabadim means words in, uh, in Hebrew. Uh, this is the 20th statement, and it reads, With absolute certainty, Ach, nevertheless, emphasizing this point, and to establish a contrast, notwithstanding this fact, the person who proclaims a message on behalf of a deity, Ha-Nabi, a prophet. Now, you have to be a little careful here, because Yahweh uses terms like Nabi as uh, favorable and unfavorable. Uh, Cohen the uh, the priest mm-hmm. it can be an exceedingly favorable term and a very unfavorable term. Uh, Elohim, uh, the Hebrew word for God and gods, uh, is used at times by Yahweh to condemn false gods and at times to speak of his title as God. And Nabi, uh, there were about 40 uh, Hebrews, all uh, Yisraelites, who were uh, Nabi. Uh, who were inspired and authorized to speak for God. This particular statement is telling you how you can identify whether or not the source of a, uh, of, uh, of a book, a message, 
uh, is from Yahweh uh, or made up by men who claim to be speaking for God. And one of the uh, the very first things, and that's why we talked about the name being Yada Yahweh, if you don't find Yahweh's name uh, prolifically uh, punctuating his pronouncements, you can be assured that that prophet is not speaking for God, but is in fact speaking for uh, him or herself. So God made a very emphatic statement here as to who is a prophet speaking for him and who is uh, claiming to be a prophet uh, but is not speaking for him. Like, for example, it is uh, projected on Muhammad that he was a prophet. Muhammad, however, never claimed to be a prophet. The Quran specifically says that Muhammad wasn't a prophet, and by any rational standards, uh, that is in fact true. Muhammad never issued a single prophecy that he got right. Uh, the founder of the Christian religion, Paul, only offered one prophecy, and on that one, which was uh, about the timing of what he called the rapture, and a very bogus term, there's actually a, a, a harvest of uh, a gleaning of souls in, uh, in conjunction with Teruah, but it is not a rapture, and Paul claimed it was going to happen during his lifetime, uh, and it is still in our future, not very far in our future, but it is still uh, in our future. So, with absolute certainty, and there's no exceptions in other words, the person mm -hmm. who proclaims a message on behalf of a deity, ha, Nabi, now, this is a false prophet that he's talking about here, who deliberately oversteps their bounds, and it speaks arrogantly and presumptuously, defiantly. Um, examples of this would be uh, Paul, the founder of Christianity. Big you read his letters. He is presumptuous. He is overstepping, overstepping his bounds. That's... That's so kind. He made it all up. Every word that he wrote was a lie. Christianity is based on Paul's letters and Paul's conscripting of Mark, Luke, and Matthew to echo his sentiments. And every one of them were blowing smoke. Not a word of it's true. Uh, another example would be Akiba, who had thousands, tens of thousands of disciples, and you know, claimed that he was the uh, the father of Judaism, and he was actually the most, among the most, disastrous Jews who ever lived. I mean, if you were to establish a criterion for judging who should Jews venerate and who should they condemn. Akiba should be at the at very most uh, in the, the bottom of the top five of the most condemnable men, condemnable Jews who ever lived. You know, there was a uh, Knesset member, uh, former uh, uh, minister of finance from the Likud party, which is the party that uh, bribes the Haredim, the ultra-Orthodox Jews, uh, to, uh, uh, to vote them into power in the parliamentary system. And he called the current finance minister, who doesn't think it's appropriate to bleed Israel to death by uh, uh, 
continuing to fund the Haredim. Because the Haredim mm-hmm. want to be paid a stipend to do nothing but be religious. So they, and he just says, look, this is a joke. Uh, we can't bleed the state dry, um, paying these people to be religious. They want to be religious, let them do it. But that's, that's their choice. And on their nickel, we ought not be rewarding their idleness. And uh, for that, the finance minister, the former finance minister from the Likud party, that's Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, political party, um, his personal fiefdom, if you will, uh, called current finance minister um, among the worst of the anti-Semites who's ever lived. Thank you, Gordon. Yeah. And so, and then he had a bunch of rhetoric after it. I actually wrote about it in the current chapter I'm writing today. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to be clear about, I said, okay, so what he's doing, because I want to say, you know, here's the, the, uh, the anti-Semite, you know, Hall of Fame. And, you know, there's some really interesting characters on that Hall of Fame. They, you know, the, the, uh, the likes of Nebuchadnezzar uh, would be the, uh, uh, uh-huh. the, the uh, Assyrian king that, that dragged the northern kingdom into slavery. And, you know, and uh, the king of Babylon that drove, uh, mm-hmm. dragged uh, Judah, uh, Yahuda, into uh, to slavery. And, you know, it just goes on and on with uh, Tiberius and Claudius and uh, – and uh, Nero and Vespasian and Titus and Hadrian, uh, you know, among the uh, the Romans. Of course, Paul was uh, was is probably the greatest, most influential anti-Semite of all time. Uh, and you know, you go all the way through uh, through Muhammad and Hitler. He would have the finance minister for not wanting to continue to pay the Haredim to be parasites. He would have him listed as among the worst anti-Semites of all time. That's how lost, irrational uh, Israeli politics is. That's uh, it is stunning, and you know, this statement reminds us of that with absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. A person who proclaims a message on behalf of a deity, who desperately oversteps their bounds and speaks arrogantly and presumptuously defiantly concocting a rebellious scheme, Asher Zed, who has an inflated sense of self-worth, insolently demonstrating self-reliance while being insubordinate, who conceitedly pretends to know, who insults others and is disrespectful, displaying pride in the pursuit of personal recognition. Well, that's got Likud written all over it, doesn't it? And Mm -hmm. claim while despising rivals who intentionally rebel, is a uh, pretty good definition of uh, Asher Zed. For the express purpose of conveying words, under my reputation and designation, Bahshem Ani, which I have not expressly appointed, taught, authorized, nor distracted, to convey or who speaks in the name of other or additional gods than that prophet uh, is actually deadly. That's Tabarim 18.20. 
I was uh, translating Numbers uh, 20 uh, just before the uh, the program, and uh, the uh, uh, Jews, the children of Israel, were having a uh, a temper tantrum. They were attacking uh, Moshe, uh, coming against uh, Aaron as uh, as well, uh, and. Uh, they said, you know, why did you bring us out here to die? Uh, we should have died along with those that uh, Yahweh uh, had uh, killed. We'd be better off. And you say, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a cotton-picking minute. You want to blame God for killing those who were religious and making the golden calf. And you want to taunt the source of life and say you would be better off if you were among them, those that God rejected for being Mm. religious. You didn't learn anything from that. You didn't learn that you were in Mitzrayim, which means religious and political oppression, and that God saved you from being oppressed and subjugated and enslaved by religious and political despots and went in to save you from that, and that a significant group of you, while God was giving Moshe the Torah, decided to be religious, to go right back to the same damn religion that was oppressing you. And you make this golden calf in the image of a a sun god. Mm -hmm. Pharaoh's calf. and, And God says, listen, I didn't save you for this. This is what I saved you from. So if this is what you want to go back to, you might as well die with with the rest of the Egyptians. And so Mm -hmm. now, because they're thirsty, they're saying, yeah, we'd been better off if we'd been cast in with a lot of those God killed. This is kind of the attitude that Jews have towards Yahweh today. uh, They say, you know, maybe we should be the chosen people. They put God on trial. uh, uh, in the concentration camps during the uh, the Holocaust, they're unwilling to accept responsibility for what they themselves have done. It's the problem of the whole world. And by the way, yes, we are picking on Jews. Why? Because God picks on Jews. Why? Because even though Jews around. are no worse or no better than Goyim, they have every reason to be better. God saved them. He didn't save Goyim. God formed the covenant with them. God revealed himself to them in their language through their prophets and often in their home. They have no excuse. They ought to know better. And because God still loves them, he chastises them continually. And so if you don't like the idea, if you feel like, well, you're being anti-Semitic to criticize Judaism and, uh, and to condemn Jewish behavior, read the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms. In fact, that may be the number one overriding theme throughout the Torah, prophets, and Psalms is that God hates the Jewish religion and what the Jewish religion has done to his people. 
I interrupted you, Kirk. You were going to say something? No, I just the the entire theme throughout the Torah and all the prophets is exactly that. What is this attraction to religion versus being free? And being yeah, with Yahweh, with a relationship, with a relationship. Instead of that, it just is it's amazing. Well, this is how bad it is. You know, so at the waters of Meribah, the uh, Jews are grumbling. They said, you know, we ought to have been cast uh-huh. in with the, uh, with the others. So they wanted to be cast in with the religious as opposed to have a relationship yeah. with God. So what is Judaism today? Judaism today claims that its scripture, its religious text was given to them and to their elders at the same moment in time that Moshe was up there on the mountain. And so the very basis of their religion is coterminous with the time God came down and wiped out that entire group of Jews for being religious. They claim that is the birth of their religion. And they received their oral Torah. Yeah. Youch. I mean, think it through, folks. Yeah, to claim that being critical of Judaism is anti-Semitic, which is essentially what the member did. I think his name was Israel yeah. Katz, uh, the Likud Katz, yeah. that's a member. To, to state that being anti-Judaism is anti-Semitic is actually the opposite of what's true. It's yes. Judaism that's the most anti-Semitic institution in the world. Of course it is. Why? For two reasons. They, they scratch his name out. What does the word Shem mean in Hebrew? Name. 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 So if you're anti-name, whose name do you think that uh, we're talking about here? Moby Dick? <clears throat> no, probably not. No. Yeah, it was. What's who are the people? What is the institution most responsible for writing Yahweh's name out of his own Torah testimony? Um, Religious Jews. Yes. The most anti-Semitic people in the world are rabbis. That's a statement of fact. Yeah. It's not an opinion. And the people that have done the most harm to Jews, who also bear Yahweh's name, Yahud means Beloved of Yah, related to Yah, are rabbis. Because without rabbis, there is no Islam, there is no Christianity. Correct. Those poisons that are so toxic to Jews and have been toxic to Jews for between 1,400 and 2,000 years, both of those religions exist because of the malfeasance of rabbis. Let's be clear. The reason that Christianity took root and, and grew is because rabbis were unaware of something that should have been forefront on their minds. When Yosha showed up, they should have said, there is the Passover lamb. You read the entire Torah and prophets. He had to come in year 4,000 Yah. It is obviously year 4,000 Yah. And here is the Passover lamb. Let's celebrate the Passover lamb. That is what Yosha is. And what did they do? No, they, they came up with every way in the world to deny Yosha's name, which means Yahweh saves. Every way in the world to say 
that rather than being a good thing, God doing something wonderful for his people, just as he had promised Abraham he would do exactly 40 Yobel earlier on exactly that same mountain, when he said, I will supply the lamb, rather than recognize that, they condemned it. Worse, when the morons of Christianity decided that they didn't like their head of their new religion being the Passover lamb, because that's one and done, uh, who's going who's to create a religion the sacrificial yeah. lamb? That's really pretty stupid. So they didn't want, they couldn't deal with reality. So what did they do? They robbed from Dod, David, two of his titles, two of his most important titles. Dod has more titles than, you know, <laughs> we can count. I started listening to him one time. He got to fill a page. Uh, yeah, we really like Dode. You gave him every title you could imagine. But two of those titles are Masiach and uh, ben El, Ben Elohim. He is the son of God. No. According to God, God is emphatic. He is my son. I am his father. He says it of no one else. Dode is the son of God. So the title that Yahweh gave to his son, the beloved Dode, was confiscated by those Christians. And yet the rabbis, who said if all they had to do Read Shamuel yeah. 7, read mm-hmm. uh, the second Mizmor, and say, wait a minute. Read Yashaya 9, which is clearly about Dode. It even says it's about Dode, as do the others. And say, wait a minute. God says that Dode is the Son of God. He never says about this guy. Why would he claim that the, that the Passover lamb is his son? And, but they didn't, and so they, they created this fertile ground for Christianity to rob Dode of the title God had given him, called replacement theology. And then they came up with this cockamamie story that the Passover lamb was the Messiah. That's how they came up with their Christ, which actually means, Christo means drugged in, in Greek, but let's not, yeah, let the, let's not let truth stand in the way of a good lie. Uh, no good luck. Yeah. He wasn't the Messiah, therefore he cannot be the Christ, therefore there can be no Christian, therefore there can be no Christianity. And the rabbis had the goods. Yeah. All they had to do is say, wait a minute, not only is the Son of God Dode, so is Dode, he is the Messiah. And Yahweh states, he's my Messiah, I anointed him. He was anointed three times. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was say that. And then Christianity came with this idea that, that Jesus is returning, as if there's a, a, uh, a reemergence. A lamb return. A resurrection yeah, of the hardly. Passover lamb. That the Passover lamb is really saving himself. No. So there's a second coming of Jesus. No, there's not. The one who is returning is clearly Dode. Yahweh says it over and over and over again. There are over... 1,100 mentions of Dode uh, throughout the uh, the prophets. You know how many there are of Yosha? Zip. Zip. So, all the rabbis had to do 
to stop the religion that tormented them for so long. But just to tell the truth. But they didn't. And that's why we have Christianity today. And that's why the most anti-Semites in the world are Christians. Enter Islam. Muhammad had been kicked out of Mecca as a laughingstock. He had come up with this stupid story, Muslims believe to this day, that he had gotten on a wild ass and ridden from, well, he didn't actually ride from Mecca, he rode, rode from Petra, uh, but that's another okay. story. <laughs> Again, let's not let a few stones get in, in the way of a good fight. Uh, he, uh, so he went really... I, I guess the story is much more credible Sorry. since Petri is closer to Jerusalem. And, and yeah. uh, you'd, I yeah, guess there are wings, uh, wings, small wings might well have been uh, yeah. blind asses in, uh, in Petra. Uh, but nonetheless, he's in bed. He's 53 years old. He's in bed with a nine-year-old girl. But forget the pedophilia for a moment. He has, he has just announced that all of Allah's messengers speak on behalf of Satan. Yep, good pass. By the way. Yep. He had said that there, there are, oh. are, are uh, four gods that are part of uh, Allah's little uh, harem. So, so much for a, uh, a monotheism. And so mm. to get out of Dodge and to, uh, <laughs> to, to say na 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 he imagines in the middle of the night sleeping with a nine-year-old girl, assuming he was sleeping, she said he never moved. Uh, he claimed that he flew on a, on a winged ass from what was actually would have been Petra um, to Jerusalem, where he went to the temple. Of course, this was just shy of uh, 700 CE, and the temple had been destroyed by the, the Romans 600 plus years previously. But again, we don't want the facts to get in the way of a good story. And so he went to the temple. He met with all the Jewish bigwigs. And uh, uh, the Dome of the Rock is built over the hoofy print of the flying ass who leapt up to heaven. But guess what you find on the way to heaven? First of all, uh, the only time he visited heaven, allegedly, was from Jerusalem. So I guess you can only get to heaven uh, through Jerusalem, which is not the Islamic religion. But nonetheless, you know what you find on the way to heaven? What Muhammad went to, had to go through went to, to get went, to heaven. Went, hell. went to hell. Yeah. hell. went to yeah. hell, the Islamic hell, uh, where uh, he found that it was Sheol. two women who were hanging by their breasts uh, uh, from meat hooks because they didn't fully appreciate the uh, the men who were abusing Wonderful, them. wonderful men, yeah. Oh, so he's such a wonderful story. Yeah, it's, it's such a wonderful story. And so this, this is uh, Islam. But so the reason that that failure, that absolute immoral, pedophile, lying, demon-possessed by his own admission, nincompoop, Mm -hmm. has become the alleged prophet of the world's second largest religion because he was rehabilitated by rabbis. When he got to Yathrib, he had run out of material. He, uh, you know, his little trances, he couldn't come up with anything new. He bought, literally according to the Quran, paid for the rabbis to read Talmud stories to him. And then he twisted and bastardized those Talmud stories to serve Mm -hmm. his agenda, and the rest of the Quran is filled with a bunch of bastardized uh, Talmud stories. 
and by the way, the Quran is actually written in Hebrew. Uh, the word Quran itself happens to be Hebrew. Again, uh, there you go. So, and, and he was illiterate, so he did, yeah, uh, yeah. on top of that. So. so there you go. The fact is that if, if the rabbis had not sold Muhammad's Talmud stories, there would be no Islam. Yes. Not my opinion. Simple fact. And because then the rabbis started mocking him, as they do, they're really good at that, mocking other people, uh, Muhammad decided, well, I can solve that problem. He had all of the men beheaded, the children enslaved, and the, uh, he raped the women. That's how uh, Islam turned on Jews and became anti-Semitic. All because of the rabbis. So we need to really consider what God is saying here. Those guys are deadly. All right, we had commented considerably on this uh, statement from uh, Yahweh during our last program. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of pick up where we uh, uh, where we were uh, the best I can. And it's, uh, I, to say that God is abundantly clear about who is and who is not working with him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a prophet, um, but I have a role in God's plan. Uh, God couldn't find a single Yehud who was willing to listen to him. You know, we've been doing this now, social media outreach, for a number of, uh, of months, have lots of, uh, of Jews within the community we're reaching out to who have come to the, uh, the sites. Not a single one yet has acknowledged that based upon reading what Yahweh actually said and considering it, that they've decided to embrace Yahweh and his covenant. Wow. Um, the, really, the only Jews that are part of the covenant now are those who, who had decided against Judaism and were independent thinkers, had become reasonable, rational searchers. Uh, prior to coming upon this information. So really nothing has, uh, has changed. And, uh, and yet God is as clear as words allow about who he is and is not working with. And uh, my uh, role, as I say, is, uh, is not at the level of a prophet, but God couldn't find any Jew to serve as a prophet. Now, hasn't been able to for 2004. 500 years Seven. and so he actually told us through his prophets a score of times or more that he was going to reach out to mm-hmm. a Gentile and that he was going to communicate this witness through a Gentile God tells you who he's going to talk through he tells you who he is talking through and gives you all manner of information about them and how you should respond to that message how you can verify that that message is from him and in all of this, uh, there isn't a single rabbinical affirmation anywhere to be found in the Torah or throughout the prophets. Here, I'm a goy. It's a, I'm, I'm have this job by default. There wasn't a single Jew willing to do it. And yet, 
you will find mention of what I'm doing in the Torah, uh, throughout the writings, throughout the Psalms, uh, in the uh, Mashal Proverbs, and many, many times in the Prophets, throughout Yashaya in particular. There's one entire chapter of Yashaya devoted to it. And yet, there is not a single mention of the rabbis. Not one. Other references to Jewish religious leaders, which Yahweh condemns, there isn't a single positive reference mm-hmm. anywhere to a Jewish religious leader. Not a single reference to, oh yeah, you know, when I run out of uh, prophets and I don't want to work with the Loewy uh, Cohen, the Loewy priests anymore, I'm going to switch to rabbis. And boy, uh, I'm going to uh, communicate a, a different message through them. We're going to create this really nifty religion. We're going to call it Herodim. You're going to wear a weasel hat. Uh, you're going to uh, um, run around in morning clothes. Women, you're going to shave your heads. Uh, we're going to wear little curly cues. We'll play religious dress-up. Uh, we'll never mention my name again. Um, and we're going to have a religion that's got more rules than Carter has pills. Where you were just, it's just going to be great fun. No, there's nothing like that. The opposite is true. You have to be completely and totally ignorant of what Yahweh says in the Torah and prophets and Psalms to be a religious Jew. And again, we're not picking on Jews. The uh, Muslims and Christians are no better. No worse, no better. But Jews are without excuse. And so since God didn't reveal the Torah to uh, convert Goyim, he revealed it for the benefit of his family, his people, Israelites, Yehudim. Uh, His focus is still on them. And so when he's condemning my people, when he's condemning Yisrael, he's condemning the religious influence of influences of his people, which is principally today's Judaism. Further, while his role as the Passover lamb uh, is well attested, Yosha is not acknowledged by name anywhere in Yahweh's testimony. And there's a reason for that. And that's because the purpose of Yosha was to fulfill prophecy, not to proclaim it. Also, Dode's name is proclaimed by the prophets more times than any other, because in addition to being the most prolific prophet, he is returning with Yahweh as the Messiah and King. When a person claims God authorization and inspiration, as Paul did, Akiba, Muhammad, Mamamides, and a plethora of rabbis have done, their testimony must be perfect, and yet it is seldom correct. There can be no latitude, no compromise, no accommodation, no justification. A false prophet cannot be exonerated by pointing out that some of the things that he or she wrote were true. 
a single errant stroke exposes them as an imposter. Their lack of respect for Yahweh, his covenant, his invitations, his terms, and his way are individually sufficient to denounce them all. Every legitimate prophet who spoke for Yahweh affirmed the Torah. The Torah that Yahweh revealed through Moshe. Not that God-forsaken book called the Babylonian Talmud. They, as real prophets, share God's guidance and his teaching. They do not amend it. They do not challenge it. They do not replace it. They do not annul it. Their focus was always on Yisrael. Within their relationship, Yahweh speaks in first person and is frequently named, followed by Dod and Moshe. No one else matters. Other than to identify the cast of characters interacting with and misleading Yisrael. Mm-hmm. It's really Yahweh, Dod, and Moshe. How many times do you find Yahweh's name in the Christian New Testament? Zero. Uh, okay, well, the answer is the same as how many times do you find Yahweh's name in the Babylonian Talmud? Zero. They're anti-Semitic. Which means there is a zero chance either of those books were inspired by Yahweh. Correct. And if it's not inspired by Yahweh, it's not inspired by God because Yahweh alone is God. The unique and enlightening nature of Hebrew stems and conjunctions uh, can often influence the way we convey verbs such as muth, which was the last word there, that prophet is deadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, in the call stem, we should perceive false prophets as being uh, genuinely deadly. We should recognize that their words are actually lifeless, that God's really being literal. There's no nuanced meaning here. It's straightforward. There is uh, then good and bad news relative to the perfect conjugation, which was uh, relative to or used regarding Moot. On the positive side, the plagues inspired by such men will not endure because God has devised a cure. But as for the liars themselves, by writing Moot, such that the consequence is time-constrained, the false prophet's death will not be the end of their existence. It's a powerful thought. That means Mm -hmm. that there will be something beyond their death. And this means that Yahweh intends to dispatch such souls to Sheol, where they will remain incarcerated and separated forevermore. Since this is a life and death matter, Yahweh wants his people to be absolutely certain who was speaking for him and against him. So this is what he said next. And if you say, using your best judgment, ba labab ata, in your heart. Heart, again, keep in mind, um, heart does mm-hmm. not mean the it same doesn't. thing in Hebrew. No. Yeah, that it does in, mm-hmm. uh, in English. If we say... Uh, 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 heart in English, we think of feelings and being gushy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the feeling, source of feelings in, uh, in ancient Hebrew was the liver. 
the heart was the sense of uh, judgment. The, when the term "take it to heart" is uh, mm-hmm. is you know, incorporated into your thinking, make it part of your perspective. You know, have it change your overall attitude as to how you approach something. You know, take it to heart. Um, mm-hmm. So that captures some of the old and original meaning. So uh, if you say using your best judgment, how? Can we actually and consistently know the statements which Yahweh himself has not spoken? So somebody wants to know, is uh, the book of Enoch inspired by God? God says, if you want to know, I'm going to give you the way to know. And the answer is no, by the way. You know? Is any book in the Christian New Testament inspired by God? Well, uh, there's a way to know. And the answer happens to be no. Is there any book written by rabbis comprising Judaism that was inspired by God? The answer is no. And God gave you the way to know. When a prophet speaks in the reputation and designation of Yahweh, and the matter discussed has not occurred or does not come to be. This is a message that Yahweh has not spoken to him. Whoopsie. Pretty clear. Such a prophet has stated it arrogantly, presumptuously, and in and independently of his own accord, you should not respect him for having conspired to incite such an alien, alien 18 rebellion. So there were two things there. The matter discussed has not occurred, lo haya. Has not happened. Call imperfect. Literally, actually, from the beginning to the present time and beyond. Didn't occur. Or does not come to be. Low bow. Does not happen. Call imperfect throughout time going forward. One of the things that uh, many people miss about this statement and the uh, the terms that Yahweh used is that the first... Uh, has not occurred, does not exist. Uh, what does that mean? It means two things. If someone is claiming to speak for God, and they're saying things that aren't consistent with what God has already revealed, they're lying. Mm-hmm. Paul didn't actually get anything God said conveyed accurately. Not a single word. So he's lying. The rabbis do the same thing. They convey their own thoughts, not God's message. And so part of it is your message has to be consistent with what has already been said, which Mm -hmm. eliminates the Joseph Smiths from the world and Mormonism. Yeah, Yeah. it it eliminates all of them. But the second thing is that Prophecy and speaking for God isn't just about predicting the future. 
it's getting the past right too. And that's yeah. really one of the uh, the things that kills uh, the those that would claim that uh, the uh, the Torah was written and invented over uh, uh, you know over many centuries, uh, culminating sometime in the sixth or seventh century uh, BCE. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beyond the fact that we have now. Much older text, than that, yes. Yeah, texts uh, yeah. written in uh, in uh, the the alphabet of the the Torah, the uh, Paleo Hebrew uh, alphabet, uh, uh, stating the exact events uh, and terminology that were used in the Torah at the time of the Exodus, in the place where the Exodus says these things were said, and uh, they date to 1400 uh, BCE. That sort of ruins that argument. But part of the rule yes. of the argument is that the Torah speaks of the creation of the universe well before any prophet like Moshe would, should have known, could yes. have known. And yet the depiction could is have. accurate yeah. in, the, uh, in the timing and events. Uh, the same thing is true with the flood. The timing and events are accurate. The same thing is true with the, uh, uh, the discussion of Babylon and what occurred there. The same is true with the discussion of what had transpired with Abraham and his journey, as well as with Joseph and his time in Mitzrayim uh, in Egypt. We have evidence mm-hmm. that all of that occurred, and yet those, all of that occurred between centuries and uh, millennia and billions of years in some cases before Moshe wrote it down. He could not have got any of it right, much could, less possibly, all of it right. Yeah, even if yeah. I didn't mention the flood, took place exactly when and where Moshe described it. Uh, started the same way. Staggering, well, staggeringly. Yeah, the, yeah. The yes. So yeah. he got all of his depictions of the past right. It's impossible without inspiration. But a prophet also gets the future right. And again, here there's a misunderstanding of what prophecy represents. God is not predicting the future. The prophet did not predict the future. Uh, Shamuel, as a prophet, is not predicting Dode's return. Um, he's witnessing. Yeshaya is not predicting these things. God has taken him to the future to witness them. And the way that mm-hmm. God does that is he transports your soul mm-hmm. as light energy. And once you're released from your physical body and you become a spiritual being, light energy, to enter heaven and to witness time immemorial, both past and future, like on a photon of light, time simply is. You can witness the past and the present or the future in the past. The whole parade, yeah. Right. So God has witnessed the culmination of uh, the choices that we make and has reported to us in the past what he has witnessed in the future. So he is reporting future history, not predicting anything. That's why he's always right. That's why he can say, if what the prophet has said doesn't materialize as he has stated it, then he's a false prophet because God never gets anything wrong because he's not predicting anything. He's simply reporting what he's already saying. 
So that's how you know. And the Talmud doesn't measure up. Mishnah doesn't measure up. The Book of Enoch does not measure up. Christian New Testament, the Book of Mormon, the Quran. Have to laugh. The Quran doesn't. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, that's hard. It's the Christian New Testament. It's uh, it's laughable. Yeah. yeah. So such a prophet has stated it arrogantly, presumptuously, independently, and of his own accord. Bazadon. You should not revere, respect him for having conspired to uh, create an alienating rebellion. Logur Minhu. You should not be inspired by him. You should not show any anxiety toward him or fear toward him. That's one of the real challenges, that, and I think it's very true in, in Israel. Uh, throughout time, religion and politics have worked together to control people. And so by them working in unison, they, one empowers the other, and the other empowers the, uh, the one. Uh, sure. And so the, uh, the religion says he's the authorized agent of God. He might even be God. And the, uh, the one who is, the religious are pointing to says they are the only authorized religion. And if you say, wait a minute, there's no evidence for any of this, and all evidence is to the contrary, collectively they'll cut off your head. And that discourages dissent to some degree. Quite a bit, yeah. So it takes a lot of, of courage good. Yeah, to speak good. out against uh, religion considering the, the consequence. And there really has been no time where you could speak against Christianity and Islam and um, uh, Judaism and, uh, and not be slandered. Um, so it, it takes a lot of courage to do it, and it takes a lot of intelligence to do it, a lot of compassion to do it, because you really have to reason your way through here. If you're going to make a case against Judaism, against Christianity, against Islam, against progressives, you have to be able to marshal evidence and reason in a way that is irrefutable. Even when you can do that, most people will turn you out and will uh, use ad hominem arguments uh, because they can't refute it. Attack but, the speaker, yeah. yeah. You better really be careful in this regard. Don't do it unless you're prepared to do it, properly equipped to do it. Before I spoke out against Islam and, and began to do uh, many, many uh, hundreds of, uh, of radio shows against uh, Islam, uh, up to thousands of radio shows against Islam, uh, you know, I had written two books on Islam. I, I knew the Quran better than any of them. I had reordered it chronologically. I'd set it in the context of Muhammad's life. I had, uh, using the, the Hadith, I knew it inside out. I knew it better than did any of them. And so I was in a position to expose and condemn Muhammad, uh, relying solely on the Islamic text. Now, what's really interesting, of course, is the Islamic Hadith and Quran are none of it's true. Uh, you know, from the Mecca experience to uh, Muhammad being a prophet to uh, any of it, it's, you know, it's all made up, but it's all Muslims have. 
So it's, if it's the basis of the religion, you're free to use it to point out that the religion has no validity. So the onus is really on us. We've been provided with the information we need to differentiate truth from lies. So God says that after using our best judgment, if we remain unaware of whether or not that person is speaking for God or not, we can use prophecy as a litmus test. If what someone claims was inspired and it has not occurred or does not occur, they're not speaking for Yahweh. The ability to consistently and accurately report in our past what will occur in our future is something that God alone can accomplish. The same is true with the distant past and in the time before uh, man or writing. Now, give you an example. There are millions of people worldwide who are Mormons, mm -hmm. and they believe yes. Joseph Smith, and you know he was translating uh, this dish which he lost and then got another dish and Come he on. lost that one too. And, and uh, I, they believe that, uh, you know, he was speaking for Gabriel and for God. Well, you know, there's a couple of problems with that. One of them is that it's called the Church of, uh, of Jesus Christ of Literary Saints because they believe the Native Americans, that the population of the Americas were, uh, were Hebrews. They were Israelis. They got on a big boat, sailed to the Americas, so that uh, the Native Americans were Jewish. Well, funny thing, we have this thing called DNA now. This is that's uh, not true. That the uh, Native Americans came from Mongolia and from Russia and from China uh, through uh, during the uh, the last ice age and walked ice uh, bridge, yeah. yeah, walked across an ice bridge. That's how they came here. Oh, they say that, you know, they were riding around on horses and they had metal implements of war. Well, no, they didn't. Those things didn't exist here. And it goes on and on with just one mistake after another. And you can't have, of course, the Church of Jesus Christ because there's no mention anywhere in the Hebrew text of anything akin to a church. There's not even a mention of a church in the Greek text. And there is no Jesus in the Greek text, most certainly not a Jesus in the Hebrew text. And there is no Christ. So besides that, he uh, he got a lot right, I'm sure. Maybe he spelled his name right. I, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Certainly didn't know Yahweh's name, that's for sure. No, he didn't know Yahweh's name. No. So every nuance of the creation account conveyed through Moshe and Barashit is a good example. Uh, it all transpired exactly the way he described it, long before we knew that, that this was possible. I mean, God said that he, be, that he created the universe. We only learned that the universe was created. It had a beginning in the 1950s. That's mm -hmm. a very long time prior to uh, Moshe writing, and yet Moshe was yeah. right in the 1450s BCE. Uh, we know that it all started with light energy and that it took a very long time for the first stars to materialize, literally materialize. Uh, quarks had to cool to the point they could coalesce 
and uh, and that energy could uh, be coalesce into matter, uh, quark confinement, and so it began with light, just as Yahweh said. Uh, that was a fluid state, just as Yahweh said. There was great expansion, which Yahweh constantly says, "I created it to expand," and the expansive nature of the universe is how we have learned through the redshift. Uh, that the universe was created. Everything God says, the timing of each day when the earth was created, when uh, when the uh, atmosphere on earth went uh, from translucent to transparent, when uh, plants were uh, able to uh, to thrive, uh, and how they created a, a more oxygen-rich environment and made possible for animal life, where that animal life emerged from the sea, uh, to the fact that God says that uh, he created each of these species, each after their kind, and we find that uh, all 26 uh, uh, animal uh, phylum that exist today all existed instantly uh, at the same time that it's presented in the Torah. There was no evolution between them from one simple form to advanced forms. In the Cambrian explosion, they all came to exist at the same time. Everything God says happened in the order that he said it occurred. Now, you can't get that right by chance. Uh, even the six 24-hour days, precisely accurate. We know that because if you divide the 14 billion years of, uh, of time since quark confinement, which is the, the time did not flow, there was no measure of time, mm-hmm. no not even possible to measure of time until there's matter. Where there's only energy, time exists, it does not flow. So from the cooling quark confinement where we can actually measure time, the universe is 14 billion years old. If you divide 14 billion by the uh, cosmic background radiation that uh, we can detect from uh, the Big Bang, a term which, by the way, Moshe used, uh, you find that time was diluted. It stretched to 10 to the uh, the 12th power. Uh, that's how much slower time moved uh, at the Big Bang with somebody who was at the universal creation. You know, the, the faster you're moving or in the presence of the, or the greater mass that you're in the, in the presence of, the, the more time slows. So we know that time, a clock at creation, moved hugely slower than a time here on Earth. And we know that differential because of the, uh, of the wavelength of the cosmic radiation uh, background noise, uh, which tells us that time was diluted by 10 to the 12th power. All you have to do is divide uh, 14 billion years times 365 and a quarter days per year by 10 to the 12th power, the number you get is six 24-hour days. Well, that doesn't get your attention. And that doesn't get your attention. You're dead. Then you're dead. You know, or the fact that Moshe wrote that the flood would 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 begin with a deep upwelling of seawater, and that it would eliminate human life with a nasalma at the place where those people existed, which was 
up the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, the Black Sea. And we find at exactly that time, the Burkle Impact Crater created a tsunami of upwelling deep sea water all the way up through the Tigris and uh, Euphrates valleys, all the way up to the Dead Sea, which at that moment turned from fresh water to salt water with an additional 500 feet of water added to it with the water flowing out the Bosphorus Straits, creating the, the Bosphorus Straits for the first time. And that's what caused the flood. It's exactly as Moshe described it. Now, how much more do you have to have? And yet, there's proof after proof after proof in our past, as well as stunning proofs in our future. So, no prophecy, no prophet. Similarly, a single errant prediction or depiction destroys the individual's credibility. By this test, Yahweh's test, Paul, Akiba, Muhammad, Mamamides et al. were not prophets. They did not speak for God. And as such, there is no credible basis for Christianity, for Judaism, or for Islam. So why are there any Christians? Why are there any Orthodox Jews? Why any Muslims? God told you, don't respect them. Can they not think? Surely they're not all ignorant. Are they just apathetic? Or do they have no backbone? Are they aware of the truth and afraid to say it? For fear they might not be popular. They might be resent. In fact, the Likud might even call you an anti-Semite. Oh, no. Yeah, once... Yahweh wants his people to recognize and condemn false prophets because they are devastating. They're deadly. Their message must be obliterated for humanity to survive and thrive. The Christian incorporation of Paul's epistles into their New Testament has stolen the lives, the souls of billions. Mm-hmm. Our ignorance of Mein Kampf where Hitler claims to be Providences, who is his God's choice. Mein Kampf is the people's, the Volk's religion. But because of our ignorance of Mein Kampf, 50 million people died. Muhammad's Quranic poison has been especially lethal. It has eternally damned 3 billion souls. And soon Islam will lead to the deaths of billions more in the Magog War. In the first hundred years of Islam, Mm -hmm. Muslim barbarians wiped out a third of the earth's population. And those were its golden years. Hmm. The solution, my friends, is intolerance. False prophets must be identified exposed and condemned the most reasonable and compassionate thing to do few things are more important than knowing who is speaking for God and who is not 
Should we trust the scroll inscribed by Moshe, recording Yahweh's testimony, or the letters Paul dictated to unknown scribes? After all, the consequences are life and death, vindication or condemnation, adoption or estrangement, salvation or damnation. Or from a slightly different perspective, should we be accepting and resentful, or respectful, I should say, of, of Paul, Mohammed, Mamamides, Joseph Smith, Karl Marx, Adolf Hitler, or even Joe Biden, perhaps Vladimir Putin, to keep from offending the millions who have placed their faith in them? Recognizing what is at stake, Yahweh has provided us with a definite answer, both in style and substance. Yahweh's test is a relatively simple one. It, it contains uh, six elements. That's a nice number, Kirk. Yeah. Sixteen, the number of man. Num- number of man, yes. Yeah, a uh, carbon-based life form of an atomic number of six who was created on the sixth day. It is, is the person, this is codicil number one, is the person a Nabi? Someone who claims to speak on behalf of God. Uh, this is what I would call a screening codicil. If a person mm-hmm. admits that they are speaking for themselves, then they would be excluded from this analysis. Uh, very few people do that. That uh, try no, to... Own credibility, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Biden with his uh, weapons of war, he's kept on, he must have said 10 times in the speech, in God's name, weapons of war. So it's, do you want to bring up God and you're making nonsense? Yeah, you better be careful because then you are deadly from God's perspective. And if you're misleading people in a deadly way from God's perspective, uh, remember, Muth was written in the perfect. Death mm-hmm. will not be the end of your existence. Is the person Zed? Someone who oversteps their bounds, acting presumptuously, with an inflated sense of self-worth, demonstrating self-reliance, while taking liberty, someone who arrogantly pretends to know, who insults others and is disrespectful, displaying pride in the pursuit of personal recognition and acclaim, while demeaning competitors, someone who rebels against the legitimate authority and is prone to anger, someone who seethes with frustration and is furious, overbearing, rude, and conceited. Wow. This is a broader net, but it uh, catches most every imposter. Uh, look at the uh, the egos that are attached with these men, though. Oh, yeah. Again, I, I come to the you know uh, the Russian foreign minister uh, uh, had uh, Jews worldwide in an uproar when he said, uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, the president of uh, Ukraine is a Jew. It uh, does not mean that uh, he uh, isn't um, promoting uh, and working with uh, fascists, neo-Nazis. Yeah. 
And he said, you know, uh, Jews have been some of the greatest anti-Semites in history. And while he cited Hitler, and listen, there are uh, uh, the DNA evidence, evidence that has perhaps, been done yeah. from his descendants suggests that uh, that he may well have been uh, a, uh, a Jew. Uh, the only person who was assigned by Hitler to find out uh, came to the conclusion that he was Jewish. And Hitler's response, uh, because the person he actually wrote a book after Hitler's death, uh, saying, yeah, I, I did my investigation. I came to the conclusion he was, he was Jewish. Uh, when he reported this to Hitler, <laughs> Hitler destroyed the, it's the only Austrian town that he went in. He leveled it. Mm-hmm. So there is some evidence that it was, could well have been true. But if you really want to look at an, a Jewish person being a grotesque anti-Semite, well, what about Paul? He's, he's classic. He created the, the most anti-Semitic religion in, in human history uh, in terms of, of abusing Jews, and he was Jewish. If you want one today, how about Bernie Sanders? Do you want one today? Do you know that the that uh, that Erdogan of Turkey is Jewish? Uh, Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. the uh, king, the royal uh, uh, line, and Saudi That's Arabia, and, uh, and yeah. Kuwait, and uh, and Jordan—they're Jewish. DNA is uh, has not been good Powerful to too, uh, to, uh, to Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is true that many uh, Jews have uh, been uh, arrogant, overstepped their bounds, and have done great harm to the Jewish people. Three, does the person, la debar debar ba'ani shem, openly and publicly preach to others, communicating their message in the name or designation of God? As was the case with the first statement, the first of these six, uh, this is a screening test. If the person in question has an insignificantly small audience, if their preaching is done in private, if their influence is limited in time and place, then there'd be no reason to assess their credentials. You know, my next door neighbor, you know, maybe writing things that uh, claiming prophetic uh, insights, but if she keeps them in her diary, don't matter to nobody. If your words get promoted and amalgamated into a Talmud and taught in uh, religious seminaries, uh, then you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Is the person's message low shawa inconsistent with what God has instructed, what he has taught and directed in his Torah? Does the message conflict with what God appointed and decreed? Does it vary from his prior testimony? And this is where they all bungle it. It's where the rabbis fail uh, in addition to Paul and Muhammad. They can't even keep their own lies straight. They contradict themselves and, of course, are completely inconsistent with God. Yeah, this is the place where uh, it's the easiest to prove that someone is not speaking for God. Inconsistencies, contradictions. Mm-hmm. Does the person debar Bashem Asher Elohim? 
do they speak in the name of gods other than Yahweh? Well, replacing Yahweh's name with the Lord, with Jesus Christ, with Allah, Adonai, Hashem, or G-D, is very common among false prophets, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. In fact, you don't very often find someone speaking um, lies and actually using Yahweh's name. They all speak in the name of their uh, man-made God. made up God, yes. Yeah. Does a person, Haya, accurately convey what has happened in the past, and do their predictions of the future bow? They materialize. This is number six. Do they come to exist as they have stated them? Well, this is a test that only a real prophet can pass. And in the last of them spoke 2,500 years ago. So Yahweh proved that he inspired the Torah, the Nabi, Wamizmor, by punctuating his words with prophetic revelations, all of which have long since come true. Or they're materializing before our very eyes. We, as we speak yeah, no kidding. Uh, tonight in the, um, uh, the late spring of uh, 2022, uh, we are just uh, 11 years away from the end. So we are now seeing a very fast acceleration of what God predicted would occur before his return. And, you know, Kirk, you and I have talked about this, that um, if you go back uh, four years ago, it Mm -hmm. was literally impossible to envision how all of the things that God said that were going to happen would materialize that the world could fall apart to the degree that was necessary in the time that was left. And then came the world's overreaction to uh, COVID and its isolation and the destruction of economies and people's character. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, then came the destruction of economies and currencies. Uh, then came the, this myth of, uh, oh. of, uh, of of uh, global warming being man-made and that we have to change everything to, uh, to fight the, uh, the uh, I don't know, fight humanity uh, on behalf of uh, the weather. Uh, the Great Reset, which is imminent, where uh, the currency fails and we start over again, but with all sorts of new restrictions, with an electronic currency that allows complete control with um, mm-hmm. so many things. This, uh, this war in Russia, where right. the United States fly everything, yeah. yeah, brought, Starving. gave Russia no choice but to invade. Uh, we, we played the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, but this time as dunderheads. And we're, we're playing chicken, uh, trying to create pain and death for uh, Russia, and there is the possibility that uh, Putin is also a psychopath. There is the possibility 
that uh, Putin has uh, terminal cancer. There is that possibility. And if with the 50, 60, 70 billion dollars worth of advanced weaponry that uh, we have given to the Ukraine, don't think it's charitable to use Ukraine as a proxy to, uh, to go fight a war with Russia, because that's what we said we were going to do back in, uh, in 2013, back mm-hmm. in the time that, that two of mm-hmm. the two single most respected Republican senators went to Ukraine and made that pronouncement that we were going to fight a proxy war through them against Russia. This has been brewing for a long time. And yet we're doing this with a man who could well be a psychopath on behalf of the American president who is a psychopath and creating a scenario of which there is no way out with a man who could be dying of terminal cancer, what do you think he's going to do? The worst. It's the worst. We have pushed the world to the precipice of nuclear war, and there is likely no scenario that can avoid it. All the while he's screaming at uh, keeping other psychopaths, little children, from having weapons of war. The world at the precipice of nuclear annihilation. Now it's easy to see how it is all going to devolve over the next 11 years. So by Reviewing this prophecy, we have learned a great deal about the nature and purpose of God. Not only is there but one God, one covenant, one Torah, and one way to his home, Yahweh has provided the guidance we need to know him, to understand what he is offering, and also to appreciate what he is expecting in return. He has affirmed the means to prove his existence and to validate his promises. The Israelites no doubt missed it, but when Moshe asked God to choose a man to lead them after him, his answer was actually prophetic. Then Moshe spoke for Yahweh to convey Yahweh, the God of the spirits, for every herald and messenger has chosen to continually summon and support for the purpose of being accountable, an individual positioned as a witness on behalf of the eternal and restoring testimony to the community who for the benefit of the relationship will be brought out to disseminate the information publicly before them. Then, to reveal the correct path to the relationship, he will arrive to pursue them, such that they will not be without a witness on behalf of the eternal and restoring testimony of Yahweh, akin to a flock of sheep who without a shepherd to guide them. 
So Yahweh said to Moshe, of your own free will, you should want to select and obtain for yourself Yosha ben Nun. Yahweh liberates and saves the children who continue to grow and are empowered and enriched. He is an individual who, to lead along the proper path to receive the benefits of the relationship, has the spirit within him. Be supported and upheld by placing your hands upon him. This is Bamidbar in the wilderness, Numbers 27. Uh, it concludes in 18, I think it's 16, 17, and 18. Uh, 15, 16, mm-hmm. 17, 18, perhaps. Uh, numbers really are mostly irrelevant. The reason that we state them is they're looking that, up. Yeah, you can use uh, tools to go find that statement and uh, perhaps an interlinear and then a Hebrew-English dictionary, a number of them, and you can verify that the translations we're sharing with you are accurate. We verify the word. Make certain that uh, what we're sharing is true because if it's true, boy, there's been a whole lot of people lying to you. And it is. Uh, you know, um, Kirk, you're one of the uh, those that over 10 years ago began to... Uh, yeah, 15, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and, and so much of what you found is that initially... You'd read a, mm-hmm. uh, a paragraph or two and say, well, boy, that, uh, there's at least half of what he said there I've always known to be true. I've never had anybody yes, actually state it that, that succinctly, but I knew that was true. Mm-hmm. And the, the other half seems right. I wonder if there's a way to verify it. Yeah. And indeed there is. So that's the reason why we state these uh, numbers. Uh uh, numbers, and here we are in the book of Numbers. Um, Midbar. Midbar, and yeah. means in, and Midbar is an interesting um, word in, uh, in Hebrew, and in that uh, uh, it's a compound of two words, uh, uh, M-Y, uh, and M-Y means to question, to ponder, question. to consider, mm-hmm. and uh, Debar is the word. Yeah. So uh, in the questioning of the word is the real meaning of that uh, term. So here we are, Kirk. We're at the end of our program uh, tonight. We have, we are still uh, recording. We're, uh, we're no longer broadcasting, but let's, um, let's just think a, a, a moment here. And we'll, we'll come back to this uh, uh, next week. But prophets of whom Moshe is the greatest speak for Yahweh. They communicate yeah. God's words in his name, and say nothing for any other. Five reiterations of Yahweh's name, inclusive of its incorporation into Yosha, distinguish his testimony from the numbskulls who created the New Testament, Talmud, Quran, Mishnah, and Zohar, where Yahweh's name never appears. I mean, in this one pronouncement... We uh, had five iterations of Yahweh's name. And throughout the Torah, Nabi Wamizmor, Yahweh addresses his people in first person, speaking directly through the Nabi, the prophet, to Yisrael. This 
further differentiates Yahweh's eternal and restoring testimony from the rubbish <coughs> produced by the religious. As we <coughs> approach Yahweh's opening statement here, we are tasked with the um, challenge of properly translating the following four words, Basar, Bakad, Ida, and Yatsa. And each of these can be rendered in multiple different ways. So perhaps that's the, uh, the, the place to, uh, to stop because it gives somebody that wants to study this prior to our next program the opportunity to do so. Uh, we, okay. are, uh, we are reading uh, from uh, Mid- Bamidbar, uh, 2715, 16, 17, uh, 18, Just completed 18. Is, yeah. is, the, uh, is the statement. Um, this particular uh, uh, statement is, hmm, well, I was going to say, uh, I, I was going to tell you to go to Yada Yah and, uh, and look it up, but uh, while the seventh volume of Yada Yah is completed, uh, there are keeping it from uh, being put up there on the shelf with all of the other 20-some volumes of Yada Yah, and that is that um, the final edit pass on two or three chapters is still uh, ongoing, and uh, our beloved uh, webmaster who uh, has uh, uh, responsible for getting the new material up uh, promptly uh, can't do it until we do the final edit, but also uh, uh, he happens to be on vacation. So uh, what we can probably do, though, is I can send it to, uh, to uh, Dee, uh, and uh, she can post uh, it, I believe, on the social media account so that if you go to the uh, community, uh, you will find mm-hmm. uh, at the Yada Yada site, you'll find, I think, the link to uh, the social media that Dee uh, and Lay are responsible for as the first link. Uh, and um, I, this uh, will likely be presented there. So I'd encourage you to go there because we are, this is uh, one of the fun things for me where we're going to get into a passage that I think is prophetic. And I'm going to explain why I think it's prophetic. And my translation of it is, is quite different because mm-hmm. uh, of the way that um, uh, most people render uh, basar. Uh, uh, basar is one of those words that uh, is typically rendered in the flesh, and yet that's not its primary meaning. Its primary meaning is to be a herald, to be a messenger. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about Pakad uh, and the fact that Pakad means to summon, to appoint, uh, to be accountable. We'll talk about Ida, which is uh, uh, a family of words uh, based upon Ed. And Ed is a Hebrew term that means uh, testimony. Uh, it means witness. It means to restore and it, and it uh, has an everlasting eternal component. So everlasting testimony restoring witness is the root of, uh, of Eda. We'll speak of Asher, which, of course, is my uh, uh, favorite word and that it brought us to this point. And Asher is both a preposition, a noun, uh, a, uh, and also a verb. Uh, and it means uh, to benefit from a relationship. 
Uh, Yatsa is the basis of the Exodus. Uh, mm-hmm. It means to uh, to uh, be withdrawn, but it can be translated to be brought out to disseminate information. Pana is uh, means before or in the presence of to appear. We have another appearance of Asher, and then will arrive to pursue them is Bohem, and Bo means to arrive, to come, to enter, to return, such that they will not be without a witness and restoring testimony, Ida, of Yahweh. And then we'll consider why is there a reference to sheep and a shepherd to guide them. Who is the Ra'ah, according to Yahweh? Mm-hmm. And then why Yosha bin Nun? Why that name? Does Yosha really mean? Why was this also the name of the Passover lamb? And is it more of a name or is it a mission statement? Mission statement, of course. Yeah. Let, me, let me say one quick thing on that note, uh-huh. and then I'll, and yeah. I'll, and I'll, and I'll, sure. I'll hold you up. I know you're right. You, you wrote, Yasha bin uh, Yahweh liberates and saves the children who continue to grow uh-huh. and who are empowered and enriched. And, of right. course, that's the whole reason of the covenant, and you go through the Moed Mikras, and Yeah, so that's all perfect. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect. The word used earlier uh, to describe nonprofits was uh, Zid. Zid is a is drawn in a pictograph as a as a plow or something that cuts and tears up the mm-hmm. the very house the very children of the house of the covenant. Yeah. <laughs> so he chooses his words and he writes his words so you can't miss it. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll and, do the same with all the words next this, week as well. Yosha Yahweh saves Ben Nun, uh, the first letter. And in uh, noon, lift up. and the last letter of, of noon is the oh, yeah. uh, is firm, the seed of life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's held together. These two noons are held together with a wah in the middle of it, and the wah mm-hmm. means to increase, to bring uh, things together, to augment them, to uh, to continue uh, to to tell the story. And so that is in between these uh, these two seeds of life. Yeah, you can't miss it if you no. if you're doing what you find here. And I'll just speak from my 15 years of reading and studying this stuff. You you will find all the answers you want. You will find that it's true. You'll have to do some yeah. work to prove it to yourself, but yes. it's there. This is this yeah. is uh, yeah. Yeah, God God is an amazing communicator because the original language of the Torah was a pictographic alphabet uh, that Mm -hmm. you could read and understand the message uh, even if you were not particularly literate. No, no, that's exactly right. The first letter is a a ram's head. And think of all of the role of the ram. A male lamb is the uh, the sacrifice of Pesach. Uh, God refers to his people as a flock, just as he did here. Who is the leader of that flock? The, uh, the strong uh, ram. Uh, the strong ram leads and, and nurtures and protects the flock. The Aleph is drawn that way, and it happens to be the first letter of Ab, Father, and the first letter of El, God. 
Yeah. You know, Bayeth is the uh, is the second letter. It's it's the, the the name of the letter means home. It was drawn in the shape of a home. It's the floor plan of a home. And so the the language is uh, is extraordinary in that way. You know, we we talked about prophecy. God's basis of prophecy is you have to be able to get everything in the past that you say about the past and everything you say about the future has to materialize exactly as, as it's stated to be a prophet. Well, the Hebrew language itself explains that because the Hebrew language has no past, present, or future tense. Uh, statements are not locked in time. They're liberated in time. And it's just the language itself is represents the light that is Yahweh, because just as light is free and liberated in time and not stuck in time, the same thing is true with Hebrew verbs. Now, God is conveying a relationship. Every Hebrew verb comes with a stem. The stem establishes a relationship between the subject and the object of the verb. God wants us to choose to be with him. Many Hebrew terms are written volitionally, either in first, second, or third person volition. Um, and since there is no past, present, or future tense, Yahweh came up with conjunctions for Hebrew so that we know if the action is completed or if it's ongoing. And there's such a difference between the two. And it's just it's a wonderful experience. It's, uh, it's a treasure. It's a treat. You know, I get to uh, do this every day, um, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. I'm here with an incapacitated uh, big toe and foot from an injury today. So today was a little longer day sitting here in the chair because, quite frankly, I couldn't move around very well. Uh, and so it worked out really well. Um, and uh, I, But it's, it's, um, it's not a burden. You know, so you might say no. that so many times I've been doing this uh, six and seven days a week for uh, eight to 12 hours a day uh, for 20 years now. And that's that's not a sacrifice. It's a uh, it's a legacy of great joy. It's fun to wake up in the morning and say, oh, boy, I can't wait to get to my office and see See what we're going to be inspired <laughs> to say based upon what we read. Yeah, you know, uh, it's cool. I, of it all so things, cool. uh, today I've been—I was translating uh, uh, the 20th chapter of uh, of, of Numbers uh, in the wilderness, and who would have thought that that um, that story would be so rich in terms of insights? But it is, and it speaks to us today because it is so rich in uh, in insights the whole thing is just i'm gonna have to sit up a while and read that one. yeah it's certainly fun <laughs> god's a great communicator he's uh he's entertaining he's enlightening he's liberating he's fun to be around enlightening enriching it's just it's all good and there just is no bad for those who are listening if you happen to be uh uh Jewish, and you're saying, you know, boy, uh, I have to give up a lot to uh, to walk away from religion and to accept this. No, you're not giving up anything. You give up nothing that has any value whatsoever, and you gain everything. Life is wonderful. 
mean, the world's falling apart all around us, and we're saying, yeah, let's bring it on. Of course it is. We were told that was what's going to happen. And we've told what our future is. How wonderful to be in that Yeah, it is. It's exciting. And, uh, of course, to be able to uh, live here in paradise is certainly a benefit to the uh, the whole world. I'm thankful for uh, for that as well. Well, Kirk, it's always fun. Thank you for uh, being part yes, of the sir. program. My best to you My and yours, pleasure. and uh, look forward to being with you uh, this time uh, uh, next week. May uh, may God okay. bless one and all. Good night. Good night.